Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. Except this week, I'm on vacation. So you're going to be listening to a replay of episode 73, where we talk about something that everybody seems to want to know about. Insomnia, anxiety, pregnancy, and parenting. And it's kind of a uh, continuation of the conversation we had last week where we talked to Dr. Becca Moore about birth trauma and mental health. So while I'm out having fun in the sun, you guys enjoy this podcast and we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast, where we have smart conversations about pregnancy, parenting, healthcare, politics, feminism, all of it. I don't want to talk about politics this week, though, because frankly, it's putting me on edge, and we all need a break from the anxiety that just seems to be coursing through the country. Everybody's edgy. Anxiety is big these days, and You know, for most of us, if you weren't already sort of an anxious person before the world sort of shifted on its axis, then you might be now. Stuff's going down all over the world, and it feels pretty scary out there. So, you know, I am, you know, a card-carrying sensitive person. And when I am at the point of freaking out about it all, I have a little technique that helps me put it all in perspective. And it goes a little like this. When I realize that my shoulders are creeping up, my anxiety level is creeping up, I'm gripping my jaw, I pay attention to what it is at that moment that's freaking me out. Is it an article or a headline I just read? Is it that every bit of information I'm taking in seems to be telling me that, you know, it's all a huge disaster? Is it that I'm tired? Am I hungry? Am I under too much pressure? You know, it might be all those things, but labeling it or or tagging it to a thing, it seems to help. It just feels better to say, you know, I'm not losing my mind. I'm spending too much time on Twitter and I need some lunch. At, at least it encapsulates the feeling at the moment. Then the next step is that I do what I can to make myself feel better. I eat something or I drink some water or I pour myself a cup of coffee or take a little walk, throw the ball for the dog, you know, whatever. I do something to show myself that I'm going to take care of you, honey. Don't worry about it. Then I focus on the present moment. Is the bad thing that's freaking me out actually happening to me? Yeah, probably not. It's actually something that's, you know, is it really taking up part of my life or my day or is it just something I'm cooking up in my imagination? Is it a worst case scenario or is it something that's not very likely to happen? And you know, nine times out of 10, it's all in my brain. I have a vivid imagination and I can worry with the best of them. That 10th time, that's the one that drives all the worry, right? That's what all the anxiety is for, to let us know it's the 10th time and you need to fix this. Anxiety is useful like that, that time. The rest of the time, it just kind of ruins things. So the last step in my little technique is to switch gears. Um, I read something insightful or encouraging, or I give myself a pep talk, or I take a break, or I start again. I meditate a lot, and I ask for help to whoever is out there that might be listening. And generally, it helps. 
it helps me bypass the anxiety and I feel a lot better. The world might still be serving up some fresh hell somewhere, but I look around and realize that actually the world I'm writing or recording or researching in is rather cozy. My job is really cool. My immediate world is a good place to live in and I'm doing what I can to help out with the world outside my door. And you know, that's about all we can do, right? And I know a lot of you are feeling this way too. And I've been getting a lot of emails lately about it. And I got this one this week from Addie that I bet you guys can all relate to if you're pregnant. Addie writes, excuse me. Hi, Jeannie. As you probably can tell by the hour I'm writing this email, I'm on the East Coast. I'm suffering from insomnia. I think this came in around midnight or so. I would go through the occasional bouts of sleeplessness like this prior to becoming pregnant, and Ambien would usually fix the problem. I'd take it one night, sleep well, and break the cycle, and then I wouldn't need it again for a month or two. Now that I'm pregnant, I feel I cannot take Ambien as it isn't 100% safe. When I think about it, I'm not sure I ever heard of any drug that is. I'm only six weeks along, so I have yet to see anyone or meet my midwife. My first appointment with a nurse at the birthing center is next week. Do you have any advice for pregnant women who are experiencing insomnia, particularly in the first trimester when you're supposed to be sleeping a lot? Thank you, Addie. Oh, Addie, I do. I do have advice for you. Um, I've got a couple of really practical tips, and then I'm just going to ask you to do something that's probably going to be kind of difficult. First of all, I agree. Don't take Ambien. Don't take anything for the first six weeks, as long as you don't have to. There's so much cell division happening. The brain is developing quickly. Organs are developing quickly. And um, if you don't absolutely have to take it, then don't. Uh, later in your pregnancy, I know that, you know, some doctors will prescribe Ambien, um, you know, like in your last few weeks when you simply cannot get comfortable for anything. Um, and, you know, as far as I know, nothing bad has happened. Um, but, you know, not as much rapid cell division is happening during the last week. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. During the beginning, just just don't take Ambien. I wouldn't. You'll feel bad about it if it turns out later in life to be, you know, the one thing that caused a big problem. And nobody needs that anxiety. So in terms of what can you do to get some sleep? um, I think that you have to be really, really vigilant about all the common sense sleep hygiene tips that you've probably heard a million times if insomnia is part of your normal life. Turn off your computer, your phone, and your television an hour before you go to bed. Um, practice yoga and meditation or other stress relieving, you know, uh, modalities, get a lot of exercise, eat well, all of those things will help. Now, I'm a lifetime insomniac myself. Um, Will they guarantee you a good night's sleep? No, there's no guarantee. You might still be tossing and turning all night. Um, Acupuncture really, really, really helped me. I went from being an ambient girl at one point in my life to um, not taking them at all um, over the course of just a couple of sessions of of acupuncture. Um, So give that a try. That's 100% safe while you're pregnant. But then if you've done all you can and you're still not getting any sleep, the next thing you have to do is really hard. And it is going to be this. Stop worrying about it. Yeah, you're supposed to be sleeping a lot, but your body is telling you, 
we don't need to sleep that much. Instead, we need to think things through, or we need to toss and turn, or we need to worry about stuff. If your brain and body is sending you that clear message, then stop worrying about fighting to get sleep. I, I know how it is. You're lying there at midnight and you're thinking, oh my God, if I don't go to sleep in the next 20 minutes, then I'm only going to get five and a half hours of sleep. If I only get five and a half hours of sleep, then I'm going to be a wreck tomorrow and I'm probably going to have a car accident. If I have a car accident, this baby is never going to grow. I mean, you can really go for it. Hardly anything we worry about at midnight or 3 a.m. is um, helpful. So if you're tossing and turning, get out of bed. Don't lie there worrying about stuff. Get out of bed. Go in another room, pick up something soothing to read. Don't pick up your phone. Don't turn on the television. Don't listen to, you know, headlines that are going to amp you up. Do something that's going to calm you down, something you enjoy. I like to knit in the middle of the night sometimes. How about you? And then just follow your body's cues and do the best you can. I was pregnant uh, two or three times, three times, I think. Um, while I worked the night shift, I almost never got any sleep. I would work from seven o'clock at night until 730 in the morning. I'd go home, get my kids off to school. I'd hop in bed for, you know, five or six hours of interrupted sleep. And um, then I'd get up and I'd do it again. Eventually, I'd get some nights off and I'd sleep like the dead. But you know what? It turned out okay. Nothing bad happened to any of us because I was tired, except for that I was tired oh, well, that's okay. Addie, I hope that that helps. Um, I really do recommend that you go see an acupuncturist, maybe even a naturopath who might have some really common sense tips for you. Uh, you might see somebody who takes a look at what you're eating and how you're, you're um, exercising and make a few tweaks that way. And then, hun, the best you can do is try not to worry about it. Easier said than done, I know, right? That's all you can do. Um, all right. I think it's time for us to get this week's guest on the line. Kelly McWilliams is a new mom. She's the author of the novel Doormat, which I think she wrote when she was a teenager. She's a staff writer with Romper.com. She lives in Honolulu with her new baby, her husband, and three feline friends. So let's get Kelly on the phone. Hi, this is Kelly. Hi, Kelly. It's Jeannie. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing really well. So I was, um, you know, just saying before we got you on the phone that you and I met via Romper, where you are a staff writer, um, when you asked me to offer some thoughts and insights on an article you were writing. And we started talking about anxiety, which I think is part of almost every woman's pregnancy and early motherhood. And Pretty soon, it was very clear to me that you need to come on the pod. So <laughs> <laughs> here you are. You're in Honolulu? That's where you live and work? Yes, I'm in Honolulu, and I uh, work remotely out here. Um, my husband is getting a computer science degree at University of Hawaii, and uh, we love it out here. So is that is that home for you? Is that where you're from? No. So I was, I'm originally from Arizona. Ah. Yes. And then I, I went to school on the East Coast and met my husband in New York. Mm -hmm. And after we got married, the two of us just decided um, we wanted to change our lives. 
Um, like we wanted a big adventure. We wanted to be outside. We, um, so this was, this was just sort of our, our dream plan. And mm-hmm. luckily things kind of came together and we made it out here. How long have you been there? Um, about four years now. Wow. So yeah. you are at home. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's, it's 10 o'clock for me. Um, it, so that's what, 7 a.m. for you? 7 a.m. That's right. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good for you. And you have a new baby. I do. I have a five-month-old named Clara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the name. Oh, Classic. Elegant. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you do these crack kind of things, too. I'm usually up super early because all of my the people that I write for and work with are in D.C. and New York. So you kind of get... We, everybody lives on Eastern time zone, oh, with, no matter where they are. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely my day usually starts around 430, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which is great because I get to see the Hawaiian sunrise. So that's nice. Yeah. Well, that is about <laughs> as good as life gets as far as I can tell. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm 100% jealous of you because I imagine it's sunny and warm and wonderful and you work all day on the beach and take your breaks in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's your life, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. The joke is, um, you know, all the, the tourists have tans because the people, <laughs> the people who live here are working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you probably live near the beach and don't go down there but once or twice a month. Yeah. Not as often as we'd like. But um, yeah. yeah. No, I actually moved out here because I um, am very predisposed to anxiety. And mm. New York was not good for me. Um, it was not a place where I was getting outside, where I was exercising. We do, you know, try and get out to, you know, do a hike about, um, once a week. Um, and so being somewhere like Hawaii where that's more possible has made a big difference. That has made a big difference to me too. I'm also, you know, I feel it all. And, uh, Portland is an outdoor town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm outdoors as much as I possibly can. I think that that helps because, you know, you don't have walls fencing it in. It yeah. Has, yeah. Or ice. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. no, no, I'm, I'm totally a nature girl. I was a Girl Scout and um, just it, it, there is something really magical about getting to be outside, even if it's just for short periods. Me too. Yeah. Well, now that we've established where you are, let's ask the big question. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, I am a writer and sort of, you know, working on building that career, a staff writer at Romper right now. Um, I have done some freelancing in the past. I'm also the author of a young adult novel called Doormat, and I'm at work on a second young adult novel. Um, so very much in progress. And I think my most important role right now, um, the one at least that's dearest to my heart, is being a mom. Um, so I've been a mom for five months, although really it's, I think it's five months plus nine months. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, you know, it starts right away. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's been just such a joy. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about anxiety and pregnancy, and... Knowing how the magazine and online industry work, I'm guessing that this was an article that you pitched, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, actually, this is this is something that romper readers are really interested in, and they are searching um, constantly. Um, so Should we tell this, listeners what romper is in case yes. they don't know? 
Yes, so romper.com, it's a um, subsite of uh, bustle.com, which is a feminist uh, oriented online magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually my wonderful uh, editor, Samantha Darby, she asked me to write the um, anxiety article, like a- asking whether anxi- mm-hmm. uh, pregnancy can actually cause anxiety. Um, and I happened uh, myself to go through um, sort of an anxious pregnancy. So I am hoping to pitch a more personal angle at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um Oh, there's so much to talk about with anxiety. And, you know, for me, it just feels like almost a state of normal for so many people in the world right now, especially Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, maybe not especially women. I I think that I'm just seeing it through that lens that I wonder how much of it is actually a disorder and how much of it is actually a warning system to us to let us know that we need to alter our lives and how much of it is just the way things are these days, you know? That is such a good question. I And that's something that I've been researching for this article, mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of the line between having normal anxiety um, or, you know, we call it normal, but I, I think you're right. Like society puts a lot on women. Yeah. Um, Yes. And it, it, the, it's shocking how much falls on you as a mom and when you're mm-hmm. pregnant, mm-hmm. because you would think that would be a time when we would want to help um, and nurture uh, women. And, right. you know, women nurture each other. But, um, uh, you know, I, I have a friend who's, who's pregnant right now, and she's uh, comparing her body, you know, to images on the internet that these fitness ladies uh, put up. And it's just as so she's feeling this body anxiety and I mean, it's just, it's so unfortunate that we have to feel those sorts of things. And and, and that doesn't come from inside us. Like, I think we're all naturally born comfortable in our bodies. Like just looking at my, my daughter, like she's happy Mm -hmm. to be there and and Mm -hmm. we learn that there's, you know, something wrong. And when you feel like, oh, there must be something wrong with me, um, that creates like this state of anxiety. And I, I also think that, you know, a lot of us are extremely sensitive people mm-hmm. and we're living in this age where there is no off button. We're always on, always performing, working, absorbing information and getting pinged and dinged all day long, especially if you work online. And, you know, we try to juggle all of that with our, the rest of our lives, our parenting, our relationships, our physicality and it's an awful lot to ask anybody to do. You know, I mean, this week alone, you know, if you're working in an online situation like both you and I do, the violent imagery alone that's being yeah. forced into our feeds and headlines is enough to put me out of the game. And, I know. you know, giving all of that, being anxious seems like a really reasonable coping mechanism. It's your body's and mind's way of saying, I hate this, make it stop. Absolutely. And it's, and it's so, um, 24 seven. And, and like you yeah. said, there's no off button. Yeah. Um, well, and- but actually we think there isn't, but actually <laughs> at the upper right hand corner of my computer, there is actually an off button. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. 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 And on Facebook, do you actually can turn it off? You know, right. It's, right. it's so hard for us to do, but those of us that live like this in the world, and I'm really not willing to say that there's anything wrong with people like me, millions of other women and men around the world, and you, 
who feel things intensely. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of us. We're not wrong. This is just who we are. And I'd be willing to say that for an awful lot of us, the key to sanity is to really reduce the amount of information that comes in that you don't need. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, having my, my baby daughter, I now, I now get these moments throughout the day where um, I, I try to keep her um, away from screens. It's, it's really difficult in, yeah. in our climate. I mean, I know that so many people struggle with that. Yeah. But I love when I can, you know, just turn things off and just, you know, see her looking at my face and you find this moment where you're completely in the present mm-hmm. and it's like the world falls away. Yeah. And that's really been one of the, the gifts of motherhood for me. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I You can spend your entire afternoon just watching your baby's face change expressions while they're napping. It's oh, awesome. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then you get pregnant and everything is changing. Everything. <laughs> your body chemistry, your identity, your job description, your status in your family, everything changes everything and society says oh you're a mom now okay well um sorry about that (laughs) you're not going to get any support in fact you're going to get derision Mm -hmm. you're going to be you know i've said this before on the podcast you're going to be wearing mom jeans you're going to be a soccer mom and nobody ever says those things meaning it in a good way they mean that you are now a, a demoted person yeah you're in the mom seat and you're never going to be good enough (laughs) yeah yeah oh no it's it's completely true people make a lot of assumptions yeah about you especially if you're you know like a work at home mom right um you know it's it's sort of the the what do you do all day question right Um, you're not valuable enough because you're not you know yeah and it's like and even if you know you're a stay-at-home mom you've got plenty to do all day yeah like there is no reason to deride that. That is, right. you know, there's there's so much work and so much love required of you. Um, but yeah, it's amazing to me because um, someone saw my husband like change a diaper um, the other day. <laughs> Did they and, clap their hands and say, oh, yippee, look, look, look. <laughs> it was incredible. Like, oh, he's such a good dad. And I was just like, you know, like he is. He's a wonderful father. Uh-huh. Like I change diapers too. And when I do it, nobody, I don't get a cookie. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, right from the get go, guys are treated differently than moms. Mm-hmm. You know, when I spent 20 years as a labor and delivery nurse mm-hmm. and a million times I would see nurses hand a brand new baby to dad and say, now don't drop that baby. Oh now make, be careful about that baby's head. Now make sure you don't shake that baby. Oh. For God's sake, that's a dad with his child he's not going to do that but oh, treating yeah. him like second best you know absolutely and um i have um so I, we're really we're really into co-parenting mm-hmm. um my husband is also very very sensitive you know very creative person um and so he actually caught the baby when she was born that was very important to him he uh-huh. went to every single one of my prenatal appointments um you know he we really try and do everything sort of 50 50. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, uh, he's very maternal, which Good. is, is, is wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I'm married to a super sensitive guy too, with mm-hmm. a strong maternal side and, you know, a, a strong co-parent, but he wouldn't even cut the umbilical cord. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> the, 
the, every time I had a baby, the midwife or doctor would hand him the, you know, the scissors and he'd say, mm, 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 that's what I pay you for. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and I was fine with that. Yeah. 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 But, you know, especially with the first baby, I think there's just so much changing going on and there's so much there. You feel like you're at such a level of threat. You know, there's so so much is happening and it's so valuable and so much at stake that mm-hmm. everything, everything could be a potential ding. You know, I remember I was, we got new dishes with my first pregnancy mm-hmm. and then I all of a sudden got really worried that there would be lead in the glaze on the plates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the late 80s and I had, when I had to get a Rogam shot, I got really worried that there were going to be HIV particles in the Rogam. Oh my Not to mention... All the guilt I felt about, you know, craving McDonald's filet of fish and Ugh. eating them as often as I could. And I worried about prenatal care and my birth plan and how my marriage was going to change and my cats. And, you know, there wasn't anything I wasn't worried about. It's I worried amazing. about everything. Yes. It's amazing. It's, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I was the same way. And, and there's a certain level. Like, I do think that anxiety becomes, like, more disordered the, the more irrational you become. And I, and I'm just speaking from a place of, you know, in, in college, I developed some OCD, which is like an obsessive compulsive disorder, which Mm -hmm. is when anxiety really gets out of control and you start going into these catastrophic thought cycles where, you know, everything is the worst case scenario. And I remember at one point during my pregnancy, finding myself not walking through the community garden, which I love because Mm -hmm. I was so worried about toxoplasmosis. Um, that was like my, you know, lead in the glaze, uh, uh-huh. washing, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, like just, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, you uh-huh. know, to, to make yeah. sure that I got everything off, you know, refusing to order fresh fruits and vegetables in restaurants. And at some point I realized, you know, this, okay, this is getting, um, this is getting to a level where like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel normal anymore. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is too much anxiety and I have to take a step back. Um, and that's when I think um, I, you know, you, I had seen therapists previously and learned some cognitive behavioral skills mm-hmm. um, where you can sort of just practice like, yes, I have this urge, this maybe irrational urge to not walk through this beautiful community garden, mm-hmm. but I'm going to fight that urge. I'm going to take that walk. And I'm going to get through it. Everything is going to be fine. And it's going to get easier every time I do it. Yeah. It really helps to realize that actually they're just thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's all they are. You think a million of them all day long. Why are we giving that thought so much weight, you know? Exactly. Yes. And and it's interesting what what sort of each individual person will – will fixate on. And mm-hmm. and we talked also, you know, for the article, just the amount of prenatal care that they give. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was waiting for my, you know, genetic testing results. And I, you know, I'm under 35. Mm-hmm. There was, there was no reason to think that um, we would have a, a, you know, a genetic sort of issue. Mm-hmm. But I was researching, you know, the trisomies. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was terrifying. And mm-hmm. everything, you know, came back all right. But I also had a friend who came back with a false positive. Mm-hmm. And then, happens all the time. Oh and then goodness. had another, then had more testing and then more testing. And eventually they said, oh, It was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Oops. Sorry about all those needles. And Sorry. I mean, she went through like, a, you know, a month um, of just terror. Yeah. And 
I, and, and she didn't, she, it wasn't right. You know, she didn't need that. She didn't deserve that. And, um, you know, stress right. itself affects, affects your pregnancy, your relationships. It really radiates out into everything. Everything. Yeah. And for, you know, thousands of years prior to this, I think that women certainly faced dangers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But really different ones than we face now. Some of the dangers that women face now are caused by fear and anxiety. We, yeah. we make decisions and take actions and design care plans around things that aren't actually happening. They might happen. They do happen to a small subset of women. But that doesn't mean we have to take all women and say, we're going to treat you as if this thing is going to happen. You know, right. And then you take a really sensitive person who is already feeling anxious and say, oh, you're normal and fine. Um, you're in the category of women who are probably nothing bad's going to happen to you during this pregnancy. Well, let's give you 500 things to worry about right now. Go. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to do that, you know? No, no. And yeah, I certainly received many routine tests that like, you know, in a subsequent, I didn't really learn until my birth class, which I took, um, you know, it was, it was led by a midwife. Um, and I took it at the end of my pregnancy. I didn't really learn that those things were optional, um, right. until then. And, you know, until after I'd, I, you know, had the glucose shake, which I maybe would have preferred not to do, right. uh, you know, cause at that, you know, I could have monitored that myself. And at that point mm -hmm. I was eating super healthy and, um, you know, I'd, I'd already been through these things and I thought, okay, so this is something to remember for the the next time around. So mm -hmm. yeah, I did everything that was routine. I think what was really good for me, because I knew I was an anxious person, was I, I chose my doctor very carefully. Mm -hmm. um, I found just a very loving woman. She actually keeps cats in her office. So she was like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a problem with cats, you may not like it here. We, you know, but mm -hmm. we love cats. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, one of them got pregnant while I was pregnant. And um, so I saw one of her yeah. cats ultrasounds. We use the same machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was just a calm person. She's, Good. you know, at least 75. She spent many years as a labor and delivery nurse mm -hmm. uh, before becoming a doctor. And I think that really informed how she spoke to me, you know, when mm -hmm. I would give her those, you know, panicked phone calls about, you know, spotting or, or, or whatever. She just, she was always able to bring me down a notch. And I yeah. think finding a doctor with a personality that complements yours is just so important. Yeah, I could not say it better than that. And, you know, it's hard in this day and age, especially with a younger generation of obstetricians, to find one who hasn't been trained to look for all of the anxiety producing conditions that probably aren't going to happen. That's how they're trained. Um, midwives are trained differently and old school doctors are trained differently. You know, if she's 75, she's been delivering babies before um, continuous fetal heart monitoring was placed on every woman in the labor ward. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. somehow managed to deliver babies without knowing what their heart was doing at every right, It was all the labor. time. Right, right. And since she didn't know every single moment what was going on. She didn't have to intervene on every single event that happens on the strip. That probably doesn't indicate a problem anyways, right. you know? But we do all these things because we're afraid of the what if. We're afraid of the what if I screw this up? What if something bad happens? And we are so 
uncomfortable sitting with uncertainty, which, I mean, when you're pregnant, especially for the first time, well, that's what it is. It's all about uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. No, and absolutely. I, I, and and, and I, she, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But I think that if your doctor has enough experience and knows that when women like us come to them freaking about out about the plates and the park, mm-hmm. that what we're really telling them is that we're afraid. Mm-hmm. We need reassurance. Tell us it's going to be okay. Tell us that this huge, huge thing we're going through, we, our person, who I am, is still going to be okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And she would always tell me to take a bath. Yeah. Just like take a warm bath, like, yep. you know, get some bubbles, maybe yep. take a nap. Uh, yep. You know, she was just always, at, yep. and, and Zika was um, a huge part of the news while I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would call her asking about, about that because, I mean, I do live in the tropics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we never had the Zika outbreak in Hawaii, but I would hear on the radio every single day, you mm-hmm. know, here's what you need to do to reduce mosquito populations, you know, no standing mm-hmm. water. And it was just... Um, that alone was terrifying. So I called her a lot about that, you know, lots of what if scenarios, like what if mm-hmm. someone comes here and, you know, brings Zika and she was just really always able to put things in perspective for me and mm-hmm. remind me that, you know, I'm, I'm doing exactly the best that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think actually the most valuable thing was um, when I started out my journey as a mother, I struggled to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this is, uh, also, you know, just a very sensitive issue. Um, but basically I decided breastfeeding, it wasn't right for me. It wasn't right for my family. It was something that was creating a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that that, because that's a problem for me, that that was something that I had to tamp down, mm-hmm. but I called her crying because, you know, some of the, uh, like the pediatrician at the hospital um, had basically told me, you know, you're putting your baby at all sorts of risk. And, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, because she was and I actually had to sign a waiver, you know, when, when I said I was I was thinking about maybe not uh, breastfeeding that said that I was increasing my baby's risk of sudden infant death syndrome. Isn't um, that ridiculous? It was heartless. It was horrible. And I would cry and I would try again. And it was, it was painful and I knew I was losing sleep. And I mean, I hadn't slept in 36 hours at this point too. Um, and, and it was just, and my husband and I had always talked about, you know, it would be great to share feedings and, you know, we know we need to protect your sleep because that's one of the the measures that I take to protect myself against Mm -hmm. extreme anxiety. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so it was just, we didn't, we didn't realize how, how hard that would, that would come down on us as policy Um, and that there wasn't much room for individualization, but because my doctor had been, my OB had been around for so long, she was like, you know, I see trends come and go. And she was like, sometimes, you know, that, that, you know, just, they, they will push a certain initiative, uh, really hard. But Mm -hmm. the important thing is that you need to do what makes you happy. Right. Uh, Because if you're happy, then your baby's happy. You start Um, advocating for yourself and advocating for for your child right from the start because you do know what's best for you. Yeah, deep, yeah. Yeah, deep down, you already knew mm-hmm. that it wasn't your thing. And that is fine. It really is just fine. It's mm-hmm. not for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. And, and you know, having the options of, you know, formula feeding is wonderful. And she's been very healthy. But it was just 
having someone tell me that it's okay to prioritize your feelings, that Darn you don't right. have to suddenly, you know, everything is, is about optimizing the baby um, right. was very powerful to me. Right, right. It's like, well, wait a minute. I'm here too. Mm-hmm. I didn't disappear when she appeared. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. But that's, you know, right Absolutely. from the start, that's how mothers are treated. It's right from the beginning. No longer about you. It's about the baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to get the statistics wrong because I do. I get them wrong every time. But I spoke with this um, professor at Columbia University uh, who studies uh, maternal health mm-hmm. She studies maternal health studies. And what she has discovered, she went through tens of thousands of medical and scientific um, studies in, in literature, respected literature, and documented how much content is actually produced around mothers. And mm-hmm. it's something like, you know, only... I don't know, like 5% of all medical literature is about moms and maternal health. And of that 5%, less than 3% is actually about the mom's experience. It's about the child's experience. You know, we study, um, you know, vitamin D supplementation for the mom in case it benefits the baby. Or we we tell moms, you know, we we strongly push breastfeeding because it's better for the baby, even if it's really bad for mom. Mm -hmm. Because mom doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, and that is something that I've come up against doing research, in particular for the article that we connected over. Um, Mm -hmm. What I found is a lot of studies about how anxiety affects um, the fetus, um, how anxiety might affect, um, you know, early early birth rates and yep. how it might affect children in the future and, and, and very little on yeah. how it might have, you know, lasting repercussions for mom's mental health or what her experience of anxiety is or what causes the anxiety. It was, it was very stunning to me just yeah. doing a cursory glance like that. Science and society doesn't really give a shit about mom. We care yeah. about the potential in the child. We care about making sure that their lives are really great. But mom, well, honey, do your best, okay? Yeah. 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 You're a mom now. Put on your mom jeans. <laughs> yeah. But, but also the, lose weight as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And get those flat abs. You've got six <laughs> weeks. And then at six weeks, um, put the baby down. And clearly you make enough money to afford top quality full-time childcare in the home and get back to work, will you? I know. Right. Oh yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And breastfeed. Only breastfeed while you're doing that. Okay. <laughs> Which is like really, it's like asking women to, to pump, which is uh-huh. you know painful. Yeah, just like a whole yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just just do that, and then you'll be perfect, and then you'll you'll feel good inside, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I know it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. No, I'm so glad we were able to connect about this because I um, speak to so many women who are just having pregnancies that are more anxious than they need to be. And yeah. some of it is social media comparison. Some of it is just, you know, we now have all, you know, access to all of these studies. Like, I, like right. I actually remember when I was pregnant, the doctor said, if you're feeling some very intense pain, I had some back issues, you can take mm-hmm. Tylenol. Mm-hmm. Um, like midway through my pregnancy, there's a new study. It comes out. It says Tylenol, you know, might cause whatever, some problems in attention down the line. Right. And it's a single study, you know, doesn't so it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But right. it was just like, oh, my goodness, like everything is moving at the speed of light. Like how, how do you even keep up? Yeah. 
I think that what you have to do is you have to really be selective. I, mm-hmm. I you know, it, it's the nature of how we get our information these days that we are going to get our medical information online. Mm-hmm. Our doctors and midwives can't spend an hour and a half with us telling us about every little thing. So we are going to go online and get our information. But I think that we have to be careful about where we go to get the information. Mm-hmm. And we need to really kind of weed out the stuff that is intended to scare the life out of you. You, right. you got to go for more in, calming information. And when you look at a study that says your chances of getting this and that are double you know, now that, you know, that that's how they, they, they read them. You know, your right. chances of this or that are double this or 10 times that. You take that Tylenol, your child has a 50% more likelihood of being autistic. Well, 50% higher than what? If you yeah. take that Tylenol and the chances of your child, um, you know, maybe it was 99.98% chance that your child was not going to have a deficit disorder of some sort, you take a Tylenol and now it's 99.6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why are we freaking out about that? Absolutely. Your child still has a 99 point something chance of being 100% fine and you could not have a headache. And we have access to these studies and these abstracts, but it, you know, they're not always so easy to understand. Right. Um, and I, I remember my husband who had studied um, like statistics and, and science and actually was in science publishing when he was in New York. Mm-hmm. He sat me down and he was like, okay, he was like, so here's what we say. If the percentage is lower than three digits, um, the effects might well be meaningless. So if, you know, they say you have a 50%, you know, greater likelihood of having a child with behavioral issues if you take Tylenol. Mm-hmm. That doesn't meet the, you know, it, that's, that's not the same as saying a 300% um, right. increase. And so he says, we look at threes um, in terms of percentages and fours. For instance, mm-hmm. when they discovered long ago that um, smoking caused lung cancer, that mm-hmm. link was so strong. And, and I am definitely going to get the statistic wrong, but it was something like you were a thousand percent more likely to get mm-hmm. lung cancer if mm-hmm. you smoked. And that's when right. they were able to like bring the cause and effect together. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, but, you know, I think that there's a a real push in the medical and scientific writing community that we want people to read our studies. We want people to know this information. So we're going to slant it in a dramatic way that gets their attention. Right. And that's business. It sucks, but that's business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, and lots of studies just, they, they need to be repeated before we mm-hmm. really know the truth. Right. Or, um, you know, I, I think just my advice for, for sort of other pregnant women is to look at review studies, like the sort of work that um, the professor at Columbia was doing. Someone mm-hmm. who's looked at a bunch of studies on one issue and then mm-hmm. can, can make a judgment based on that. Right, right. And then be reasonable about it. And accept the fact that even if you spend two hours researching that thing, you still really can't control anything that's happening to you. Do your right. best. Right. Do your and then use all the tools that you can to let it go. You know. Yes. I'm I'm seeing kind of a you know a big move online that is positive. I think for women to kind of present themselves as they really are. You know, warts, hairy armpits, panic attacks, and all. <laughs> and I and I think that that's great because the more women that show what we're going through as it really is, de-glamorize it 
take the rosy glow out of all of the things that we've been told for generations is the epitome of womanhood. I think that's positive. On the other hand, um, I think that we're seeing kind of some women are taking this as permission to brag about doing a, you know, less than their best at what is clearly a really, really important responsibility. Mm. You know, they'll, they'll, or they'll talk about their mothering like it's such a huge bummer that they have to drink through it. You know, wine mom. That's Ooh. another one. You know, all of that. Um, oh, yeah, that's not good. It, I, it's not yeah. good. To, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to, um, let's say, vent about sometimes, you know, with, with yeah. a good girlfriend. But I actually, yes. I, I, I left a mom's group um, because I felt like the level of complaining got um, toxic. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't enough of joy and what we were right. talking about. We were right. just, just complaining. Yeah. yeah. It seems like we have to really intentionally present the middle ground. You know, we mm-hmm. have to tell the truth about our experience, but, you know, maybe knock off some of the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or some of these sort of, um, I don't know, when you get too trapped in, in, in yourself, like sometimes you need a, a little perspective, like, yeah. you know, many women, just would do anything to be pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. Like my, my mother had a lot, a lot of difficulty conceiving, mm-hmm. um, and she ended up having two C sections. And like I, I compare my experience with her, and and I feel very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that was also going on when I was pregnant, um, there was the political climate, mm-hmm. and I was definitely a news hound. Uh, it was you know just before the election. She was born on November eighth, um, and. Um, I was positive that, that Hillary Clinton, I didn't feel any anxiety about this at all. I, I was, know, me neither. I was <laughs> so sure. I mean, you know, the New York <laughs> Times and everything was saying, you know, she has an 89% chance, you know, know. whatever, of winning. I know. So I, you know, and I was like, my very pregnant self was watching the debates and walking away and feeling like, okay, well, this is settled. Like, I'm so glad that this is, you know, <laughs> this will be great. She, you know, my daughter is going to have a female president it, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be historical. Um, this is her life. This right is her from life. the get go. Yeah. <laughs> and we've just been through an, an Obama presidency and, you know, I'm biracial. And uh-huh. um, so my mother's African-American and I remember our family just weeping, you know, at when, when he was elected. And so I know yeah. like the power of, of role models and, um, and, and, and seeing progress and change and just how wonderful and powerful it is. Um, the Friday, um, I was due actually November 14th. Um, um, but the Friday before I was having some blood pressure issues. And so we decided to induce, uh, I was 39 weeks and, um, um, that Tuesday we came in, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, the election. I had done uh, an absentee voting, um, actually, because I, I was, um, that was like the easiest Mm -hmm. thing was just to do the mail-in ballot. (laughs) Um, and you know, we started, we actually started the process on, you know, November 7th and then, um, November 8th, my husband was like, oh my God, I didn't vote. Um, and I was at this point like eight centimeters dilated. (laughs) (laughs) You're not voting now, sir. (laughs) Oh, but he did. did. Oh, no, but, and it sounds like a strike against him, but I was like, I was like, honey, like this is a historic election. Like, you're going to feel bad about it if you don't vote. 
Right. And I know, like, yes, you should have, you should have prepared for this in advance, maybe. But like, you know, he had a lot on his plate. I was like, yeah. you're going to feel bad if you don't vote. And you're going to want to tell your daughter that you voted in this election. And he was like, you know what? You're right. So I honestly, like I had a big hand in this. So Good he for goes, you. Good for him. Yes, yes. So he goes and he's like, oh, and also I'll bring back coffee, right? So <laughs> he, he goes. Yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> he goes and he votes at the elementary school. And later he told me he noticed that people, I mean, because Hawaii, you know, different time zone. It was like four in the afternoon here, but people looked a little grim. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so he was a little confused about that because Hawaii is a happy place and people are mm-hmm. excited to vote here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he, you know, before he came back, I um, my wonderful, wonderful labor and delivery nurse, and I cannot say, like, just enough good about her. Her name is Melody and she is beautiful and wonderful. Hey, and- Melody, we love you. <laughs> hey, Melody, we love you. Yes. <laughs> Melody from Castle Medical. And um, no, she like, it's just the power of a great, of a great nurse. She stayed with me throughout the entire thing, even though she had to pick up her kids from soccer and she's just amazing. She was like, okay, well, you're complete. Like you're ready to go. And I was like, but my husband isn't here yet. And, you know, should I, should I text him? Like, you know, he's voting. And, and she was like, well, uh, like he was actually driving back at that point. We figured she was like, don't, don't text him uh, because I don't want him to drive too fast and get into mm-hmm. an accident. She had seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we waited, <laughs> I, you know, we, I waited as long as I could until, you know, I really couldn't wait anymore. And the moment when I knew it was just really time to get this show on the road, he came through the door. I know. And I was just like, okay, honey, I have some news. Um, And, you know, just the shock on his face, like he didn't know. And I was just like, we're ready to go. We're going to get this. We're going to get this started after, you know, 19 hours. We're finally ready to push. Um, And so, you know, we went through that and my doctor was there and everything was just wonderful. And I had my baby on my chest and my mother was there. Um, She'd flown in from the mainland, actually. Um, and it was about 5.05 p.m. when she was born. And I looked at my mom and kind of gave her like a goofy smile and said, so who's president? And her face just fell. Uh. I mean, and it was like, I, I didn't even know, you know, what to think, what to feel. She goes, it looks like it's going to be Trump. Um, and then she left. She went, you know, back to our house to feed our cats and, and, uh, and leave us alone with our new baby. And honestly, I, I was like, okay, so, so, you know, my mom, she, she's very reactive, like, who knows, like, it, everything might still be fine. Uh, and then we kind of forgot about it for the rest of the evening, because we had a brand new baby. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the next morning when things were certain that it, it started to sink in. But I mean, really, only barely. Uh, I, I, we felt like we were in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah, it was we all like, did. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like we had shifted into an alternate reality that wasn't actually a possibility. And then here we live now. Oh, my God. And the comments that he made about about women and, and, you know, and and knowing that I was having a daughter and I was so excited to have a daughter, but I was also so nervous because I know that it is not easy to be a woman in the world, Um, that we that there's a lot put on us from very early, very young, um, you know, about how we, how we look and how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be polite and, you know, what we can, what we can't achieve. Um, and I was hoping to see some changes and 
like I planned this pregnancy in in a world, <laughs> a certain world. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Hillary world. In the Hillary world. I planned for the Hillary a world for, a, you know, a Democratic pregnancy, uh, presidency, I thought. And, um, and then it was like that world. It was just pulled out from under us. Right. Yeah. If, you know, if parenting teaches you nothing else, it teaches you that you go ahead and plan all you want. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. It's a good thing to do. We encourage it. And then you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Right? Yes. <laughs> you get the child that you get, not the one that you anticipated. In the world that you live in, not the one you hoped for. This is reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mother this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the... um you know, a piece of good news. I, I worried a lot that I would have, um, you know, a very fussy, uh, difficult baby because I was a difficult baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she's actually just kind of like smiles and sunshine and extremely Aww. relaxed. And, you know, she'll just like wait quietly to have her diaper changed. Yeah, <laughs> like, she likes you her know, life. She, she likes her life. She smiles. She's happy. She's um, like what's known as an easy baby, although I, I don't know that any baby is really exactly easy. Um, <laughs> Some of them really are. Some of yeah. them really are. Usually it's not the first one. Oftentimes it's the second. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of the anxiety that women feel with pregnancy is actually something that you don't feel as much with your second one, mm. primarily because you're too busy and distracted and tired to really focus on you know, those kinds of minute details, right? It's, you know, scramble and survive for a lot of people with their second (laughs) pregnancy. But then also, it's not as big a shock to the system. You are a mom now, you don't have to go from being Kelly to being Clara's mom, right? You're already mom, your body (laughs) isn't, you know, doing all of these minute cellular changes for the first time. There's body memory and your body says, oh, oh, oh okay, I, I, I get this. I remember what to do. You know, you're, and that lasts all the way through, you know, delivery, even yeah. breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. It's just easier with a second. And generally that second kid kind of either come in, comes into the world as a mellower child. You know, it's survival of the species. You're the yeah. second. Try not to cause too much trouble or... <laughs> They react to their mom and go, oh, she's got this. She's no, she seems to know what she's doing. I think we're going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, That's if you have cool. more than that, it, I wouldn't say that it's easier with each kid because you are adding another child to your life, but mm-hmm. you get some perspective. You realize, oh, okay, this is normal too. And um, it really gets drilled into you, what I just said. You know, mm. you, you get the pregnancy you get, you get the child you get, you don't get the one that you planned for, hoped for, dreamed of, you get the real one. Right. So then. And you also don't always get the pregnancy um, that you fear, like, which, which is wonderful. Like I really thought because of my, you know, my mother's history of C-sections, like I was, I thought that I was going to have a C-section and mm-hmm. no, everything, everything went fine. And so yeah. some of, some of that, you know, anxiety, I, I didn't need to have because right. There's an unpredictability and you just have to embrace the unknown in a certain way. And uh, one thing that I didn't know that was going on at the time, um, my father, who's a wonderful man, had stopped speaking to me so much during my third trimester. And uh, it turned out, he told me later, 
um, he'd been very traumatized by my mother's pregnancies because they were so difficult and so life-threatening to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she had um, children much older and just different circumstances and um, other other health issues. But um, he actually was terrified about Zika. Mm. Like he'd been getting that in the news. So mm-hmm. I sort of, I hadn't thought like the way my pregnancy causes anxiety in other people, the people mm-hmm. who love me. Right. Yeah. Right. Because he was looking at his daughter and grandchild. Yes. Yeah. That, the, you know, the thing in a family is that it's not just your pregnancy. It's not just your baby. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's, you know, it's everybody's. And then it's not just your family's. That child goes out into the world. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking about the election and anxiety and stuff yesterday that what we're going through right now is sure as heck isn't what I had hoped for, but it is just a moment in history. It's not who we've been before and it's not who we're going to be going forward. It's just the country's working some things out and maybe what we really need to do to be able to push progress for women and families forward is to really have this scuffle right now mm-hmm. to really make, you know, the experiences that we're, we're having with this presidency and this Congress um, is bringing up all the conversations. We are talking about things that we have never talked about before in society mm-hmm. and we're not getting it right, but you're not going to get it right until you keep trying. And so I feel like, what we're experiencing right now is a huge revolution by education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our country's been through revolution before. Yes, we'll be okay. So and true. your daughter is going to be one of the revolutionaries, as are you. Yes, and 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 I was um once I had finally sort of absorbed the the fact of what had happened, um I felt really galvanized, um, in a special way to, um, pursue my writing more, pursue mm-hmm. my work more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote like an art, an article, like within a couple weeks of her being born about having a baby on election night. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I just, I, I felt so compelled, um, to say something. Um, and you know, there's like an old Chinese curse, you know, may your children be born in interesting times. Mm-hmm. And Clara has been born in an interesting time, right. uh, and I can see it as, as a curse, but it can also be a blessing because it can give her, you know, some, some sense of meaning, you know, mm-hmm. something to, to reach for and fight for. And I think that you're right, that things might change for women faster mm-hmm. um, because of how much we have to, to work against. Right, right. Yeah. I think that the country is becoming galvanized. The country is, you know, if everything had gone the way we wanted to, you may not have written that article. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we shall see. Well, you know what? We have been on the line for a while, and yeah. I think we should probably think about wrapping it up, but I do have two more questions to ask you. Sure. Number one. How will you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, how would I fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. <laughs> yes. Um, nobody ever told me that. 
becoming a mom is, is a time of reinvention Mm -hmm. that when you become a mom, you reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's not so much, um, that you just, you become a certain thing, but it's that you have an opportunity, um, to make yourself the person that you really want to be. Um, like I, I didn't realize that it would open so much possibility. It actually has reduced my anxiety as a, as a person in general, because I, I had decided, you know, I just wanted to move forward. Um, and people told me, you know, being a mom is so difficult. Um, and you know, you're going to be doing tons of laundry and all that is true. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but there's, there's an, there's an upside, which is that, you know, becoming a mom allows for reinvention. It allows you to locate your passion and go for it because you want to make your daughter proud. Yeah. I remember somebody telling me when I was pregnant with my first and I made some comment about all the laundry we're going to have to do. <laughs> and she was an older woman and she said, honey, what's the, what's the problem with laundry? <laughs> well, we're just going to have to do so much of it. Well, it's just laundry. <laughs> right, right. Oh, right. It is, isn't it? It's just a minor chore. Sometimes you sit on the couch and fold it and watch TV. It's not such a bad thing. <laughs> I loved that. That's great. Yeah. Well, my last question for you then is, where are you in your life? in terms of motherhood? I'm learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm getting to know my, my baby. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like at this five month mark, like I'm, I'm discovering her temperament. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really building a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's also something that I kind of didn't anticipate because yeah, you think motherhood, it's like this specific job. And then, so being a baby must be a specific job. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. um, they must be all sort of similar in some kind Mm -hmm. of way, you know, I very naively thought, but, but no, like I'm, I'm building a relationship with my daughter. Um, and I'm watching my husband build a relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's watching a a family take shape. Um, Mm. so it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's magical to me. It really is. If you decided to have more, you would find that you reinvent yourself again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, you are learning how to be Clara's mom. Mm-hmm. Next time, you'll learn how to be that person's mom. And it's, you know, just like it's, you know, it's different. Clara is different from the baby next door. Mm-hmm. It's like that with each kid. You think that, you know, you've got the basic recipe down. You and your husband equals this is the kid we get. Oh, heck no. (laughs) Each and and every one of them is different. And you speak from experience because you have four. Is that right? Yeah, I have three daughters and a son and a niece who are all mine. And they could not be, I mean, certainly they have, you know, family characteristics and mannerisms and um, they were raised in the same family. So, you know, there's, they have strong similarities and they're about as different as different can be just as human beings. So, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the kids would like to come back and say, well, you didn't do that when you were, you know, when I was a teenager. Yeah, well, I wasn't, <laughs> you weren't this teenager. Right. <laughs> you needed You needed different momming. <laughs> different momming. I like that phrase. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I bet you and I are going to talk again down the road. I would really enjoy that. Yeah. Well, cool. We'll go enjoy the rest of your day. It's not even 8 a.m. <laughs> I know, you. exactly. The, the baby's <laughs> about to wake up. I can, I can hear some stirring. So, <laughs> just, and, and is she just starting the day? Yep, she will just start the day um, and just starting solids too. So that's oh fun. Oh, my God. Fun. <laughs> we go have a good one and we'll talk again soon. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Our guest today was Kelly McWilliams. You can learn more about her over at romper.com. You can find her book, Doormat, on Amazon.com. You can learn more about me, Jeannie Faulkner, over at my brand newly designed website, which is just gorgeous and I'm super excited about, JeannieFaulkner.com. And people ask me, how the heck do you spell all that? It's J-E-A-N-N-E, Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. You can email me, Jeannie at JeanFaulkner.com. You can tweet me, at JeanFaulkner. Um, you can download and subscribe this podcast. You can advertise and sponsor. And you can pick up my books everywhere that books are sold. Thanks so much for listening, and let's talk again next week. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Bye-bye, everybody. Someone will look at me like I